Now, the, the seed for this message is, if y'all remember when the choir came from OBI, they had these little brochures that they gave out about uh, the uh, college and, and Bible Institute there. And in that were some uh, blogs, I guess, or sections written by a couple of students. And one of the students' name was Jared Hudson. And uh, I can't remember if he sang with the choir or not, but he, his portion in that was really good. And uh, I read that. He referenced this scripture, and the Lord planted the seed for this message from my reading what he had written. So I don't, I don't want to take credit for something that is not original for me. But uh, the thought along this line uh, began with what uh, Brother Hudson had written, had written, had uh, written in that uh, little brochure. Now, we are all familiar with the circumstances surrounding the fall of Adam and Eve and all of its consequences. But having done that, because of that, they are guilty. They, they had never felt guilt or conviction before because there's never any reason to. But they do now because they know what they've done is wrong. They hide themselves from the presence of God. But there's one thing good about, uh, you know, uh, a good thought to think about the Lord is that he'll come looking for us regardless of what we've done. And he does for them. And he asks the questions, where are you? And Brother Hudson applied this to the condition of the church. And he asked uh, some what I thought were very pertinent questions, especially t tonight because it's a, you know, it's a holiday weekend and you know, a lot of folks are with their dads tonight. I understand that. Where are the people who should fill these empty pews? Where are the lost seeking salvation? Where are the backslidden seeking restoration? Where are the sick seeking healing? Where are the bound seeking deliverance? And where are the needy seeking help? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves as a congregation of Christians or believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are two sections of Scripture that the Spirit of God led me to along this line. And there's a message, and I ask your indulgence, hang in there with me until the end, okay? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning with verse number one, number 9. I'll get this out of Steve's teeth. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. Talking about Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. That's what they were. That was one of their disappointments because they thought he's fixing to change everything right now. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minus. Now, a minus equaled 100 days wages. That's a pretty good amount of money. He called 10 of his, 10 of his servants, delivers to them 10 minus, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then com commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. 
Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. Now, the reason he did this, he was hoping that he wouldn't return and that his absence would mean that the minus that he had given him would be his. So there's, when you dig into this scripture a little bit, you kind of get an understanding of what the motivation was behind the man that didn't do anything with what he was given. He was hoping that the master would not return and he could just keep it. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. But bring here those, excuse me, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Now, the, the, the lesson we need to learn tonight from this particular scripture is this. That poor stewardship is punished by great loss. Let that burn in your brain. And take it home with you tonight. Poor stewardship is punished by great loss. Now, there's been a recurring theme for the past few years, I guess, that I'll pick up from time to time. It is a genuine concern that I have, okay, as pastor of this church, that having received the blessings of God in abundance, and we have been blessed abundantly. He has not only blessed us, he has blessed us abundantly because we have received and experienced these blessings over a, a period of 30 years. It, you know, it, it, we come to the place where uh, we're, we're like of the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant uh, in the house. And then when the man was so familiar with it that he thought it was going to fall off the cart that uh, Uzzah did, he touches it. And the anger of God drops him like, you know, we get familiar with that uh, which is holy. And if we're not careful, we'll make a mistake. Same goes with us as a church. Having received the blessings of God, if we're not careful, we will become at ease in Zion. We've, everything's fine. There's really no, um, I'm looking for a word. Lord, give it to me. There's, thank you. There's really no urgency We've just about got everything we need. We've got a, 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 a beautiful sanctuary building. The air conditioner is on. We got brand new digital thermostats that can be controlled on a smartphone. Amen. We got, <laughs> yeah, there was some conversation about that. We come in and the building was hot, but they, they did kick on. We got brand new digital microphones. As Brother Dan shared, we got a great band. Wasn't that great? The Woods Brothers featuring uh, Cousin Gary Cochran. I mean, and, and the thing of it is, we have enjoyed these blessings for so long. You know, a couple of things 
you know, one, we may get to the place where we just expect that we deserve them when we don't, and that we just might take them for granted, which we shouldn't. Amen. The Lord has delivered us. He's given us ten minus. He has placed in our hand the tools necessary to accomplish an objective. And that objective is the salvation of as many, as many as will believe on the Lord. It is our responsibility. He has given the church what we call the Great Commission, go on the highways and hedges, preach this gospel throughout all nations. So, well, Brother Andy, you know, there's a church on every corner in Chattanooga. I understand that, but we have generations that are coming up, and we got folks moving in from out of town who don't know anything about this. We take it for granted because we was born and raised in the buckle of the Bible belt that, praise God, everybody been to Sunday school. They haven't. We take it for granted that everybody knows the difference between right and wrong because we've had it shouted and, and sung and taught to us ever since we can remember. But that's not the case with every person. We live in a nation now where there are people who absolutely have no clue about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have misconceptions concerning him, but they have not been given the truth concerning him. That he loves you. He loves you. And that he gave himself a sacrifice so that your sins may be washed away and that you might inherit an eternal kingdom. Richie deals with these folks every day at the prison, in the jails, places where he goes, the, the three circles ministry with the young people and all that. And I'm sure he could tell you, man, I deal, with, I deal with kids who absolutely have no clue of how good the Lord is. To them, all he is is an opportunity to, to, to take his name in vain and use it in the reference of a swear. And they have no idea that he is that treasure and that he would be that treasure in their life. The fields are white unto harvest, but who's going to work the harvest? We better make up our mind, beloved, tonight. Because if you think that all this can't be taken away from us, you're wrong. It can. Now, I'm not, you know, you say, oh, brother, Andy, you all serious and stuff tonight. And I'm not saying this to get on anybody. And I, this isn't a lecture, and I'm not, you know, I'm not punishing with this message. What I'm saying is that we have to be vigilant. Vigilant. Understanding what our responsibilities are. Anybody, everybody I look at that I can see I know is saved in this house. I'm preaching to saved people. I can't see a lost person, you know, everybody I see saved in this house. So it is our responsibility as the church, amen, to use what the Lord has given us and give him an increase. Now, God's not interested in money. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. What the Lord is interested in is souls. Amen. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And how are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to experience the love of God outside of the ministry of the church and those who have the testimony of his love? Well, it sounds like Moses Chowdhury, don't it? Maybe that's the influence he's had on me all these years. But there's people out there in a world of hurt, and the Lord has blessed us with an opportunity to minister the gospel to them. Well, Brother Andy, what prevents us from doing that? It's a feeling of inadequacy. It is an understanding of our own weaknesses. 
It is a remembrance of our own faults or our own failures. Well, is there a remedy for that? Well, I'm glad I asked that question because I have the answer from the Word of God. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Anybody wonder what, what it was like to see Jesus before his incarnation? Turn to this chapter. It'll give you a pretty good idea. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, and, I, and Rich had no idea I was going to share this tonight. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Oh, that was Brian this morning. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, and this is Isaiah speaking of himself, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I got unclean lips. My family's got unclean lips. My neighbor's got unclean lips. Everybody in my town got unclean lips. Everybody in my county got unclean lips, and everybody in my country got unclean lips. I am a man of unclean lips. I know what my deficiency is. I know what my weakness is. I know what my fault is. I know what my failing is. Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts, and I am undone because I am a man. You know what happens when you get close to God? All of this stuff comes out into the light. You see yourself as you really are. And for folks who have such a high and mighty, uh, you know, opinion of their own selves, I would take them to the Word of God, and we can, we can deal with that one quick hurry. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you're, faults, your weaknesses, you're going to be aware of those. Not, that, that's not a punishment, by the way. The purpose of that is for is, is what Richie's testimony was to bring us to a place where we say, Lord, let's deal with this. Amen. Brother Clendenin taught us in the school of Christ, there'll be times, and it may be uh, after years that the Lord will bring something to your attention, and you'll say, Lord, I didn't know that was there. He'll say, yes, yeah, it's been there all the time, but now's the day that we deal with it. Amen. That's just how good God is to us. So Isaiah, this great prophet, is undone because in spite of everything else he's accomplished in his life, he's not, you know, dwelling on that now. I'm a, I'm a man of accomplishment. I'm a prophet. I'm all this. All he can say now is, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. But I'm a man of unclean lips. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. What happened? After Isaiah's confession, one of the seraphim gets him some tongs 
He takes a coal, live, red-hot coal. Y'all know what that is. Y'all barbecue up. A red-hot coal is just that, red-hot. You can feel the heat. And, you, and, and those who've ever been burned, you know that, well, I ain't going to pick that up in my hand. I'll get me something else and pick it up with it to insulate. There'll be a, a, a something between me and it because it's too hot to handle. So I'll get me some tongs. That's what this seraphim did. He gets the tongs. He pulls uh, the coal out. The seraphim did not need the ministry of the hot coal, but Isaiah did. So he goes to Isaiah. God applies the prescription to the illness. Your trouble is your lips. Let's get your lips fixed. And he touches Isaiah's lips. Now, under other circumstances, you know, it probably burned a hole in his face. But not this time. He says, behold, this fire has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Let's see. What is another place where fire is used for a similar purpose? Ah, on the day of Pentecost. As a tongue of fire. And we really don't dwell on that. We, 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 we make a lot out of the, the, out of the noise uh, that took place in the upper room. We sure do make a whole lot out of the, uh, speaking in unknown tongues as being the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We don't say a lot about the tongues of fire that sat on each of them, but tongues of fire sat on each of them. And it wasn't to, to, to purge them that much because it's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin, but it was to do that work in them, amen, of, of a, a, a sanctifying work in their lives that would change them. This has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. Also, I, Elijah, I mean Isaiah, heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. What's the difference? Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've seen the Lord. I'm undone. I'm at the end of myself. And then the Lord mercifully who told the seraphim? The seraphim didn't just say, I think I'll go get me a, 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 you know, a, a, some tongs and, and one of them coals and just stick it right on his mouth, see what happens. He didn't do that. Who told the seraphim to go do it? The Lord did. Seraphim, go get a coal off the altar and put it on his mouth. He has confessed to me what the problem is. He's a man of unclean lips. Here's the, here's the news that should have us jumping for joy tonight. Whatever your issue is, whatever your problem is, whatever your weakness is, and whatever is holding you back, God Almighty has the remedy for it. And it's the same remedy for everybody. Hallelujah. No matter what Isaiah could have said, woe is me, and had listed a dozen different things, that coal from off the altar, that fire of God, would have accomplished the same purpose. But now it's different. He hears, who will go for us? Who shall we send? Who will go for us? Who will represent us? Completely different Isaiah now. Not the man who was so concerned with his weaknesses, with his faults, whose, whose glaring 
a, a failure, just, just stared him in the face. I'm a man of unclean lips. That wasn't the Isaiah who responded. The Isaiah who responded was the one who had been touched by the fire of God. And he says with confidence, here I am, send me. I wasn't ready before, but I'm ready now. I wasn't qualified before, but I'm qualified now. Not that I did it in my own strength, Woo, glory, but the Lord did it for me. <laughs> Isn't that great? Man, the devil just hangs us. You ain't this, you ain't that, you can't do this. And you know, I've gotten to where I disagree with him. You're right, devil, I can't. I ain't worth the price of a bullet to blow my sorry brains out of my head. You're absolutely right, but that ain't all the story. You just got half of it. Amen. My sin, my, that's just half the story. My worthlessness, that's just half the story. Let's go to the other half. Amen. When he cried out on that cross, it is finished. Father, in your hands, I commend my spirit. You want to shut the devil up? You can do it. It's real easy. It's not, you don't have to strain. I come against you. You don't have to do that. Start talking about Jesus. That's all you have to do. Amen. You got issues. I mean, devil giving you trouble? Sing the song. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air <laughs> on you, Doc. Amen. Whatever the hold up is, or whatever, whoa, but I think it's getting trouble. Whatever excuse you using has got no merit. Well, Brother Andy, I ain't this. Brother Andy, I can't do that. Brother Andy, I can't do the other. Brother Andy, I ain't all that. Well, you're right. You ain't and I ain't either. Then how did all this come to pass? The Lord, it is his doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. We have not been given all this to mark time. God did this for a reason. He did this for a purpose. I still walk out and look around and go, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. I still remember that first, second Saturday in October when all this was was a pasture and that rock altar was constructed. I still remember that. I still remember my Uncle Jimmy you know, taking him up there and we've been doing that little drip because we, we did not know how to anoint an altar. We just dripped it. Put your thumb over there in that olive oil. Drip, 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 drip. Is that good? Yeah. I don't know. Drip, drip, drip. I dripped. I dripped like the rest of the guys did. Drip, 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 drip. We all dripped together until Jimmy Hutchins got it. He went. And the Holy Ghost went. And people didn't know what we, they were there, and I appreciate them being there. But all they said was, man, what was that? I said, man, that was the Holy Ghost. He don't drip it out. He pours it out. He pours it out. Show me in a whoo, show me in a Bible where he said he dripped anything. He didn't drip nothing. He's on the day the Spirit of God was poured out. You know what happened this morning? The Spirit of God was poured out. That choir was singing and the Holy Ghost was being poured out. Amen. Wasn't dripped out. Drip, drip, drip. I, <laughs> I used to sing a song when I was a kid growing up in church. Showers of blessing. Da, 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 da. I still remember the melody. But for the showers we plead, all this rain. I said, man, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I said, forget that. Amen. Forget that. There ain't no raindrops. It's a flood. <laughs> Praise God. 
and the and the 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 theme the Lord has you know given, and I know that I don't want to make nobody feel guilty about the theme for this year being increased, but that's what the Lord laid on my heart. We have a responsibility to increase, but we don't even try because we're afraid of failure. And we shouldn't be because we can't accomplish it anyway. But when we offer ourselves, as Isaiah did, as willing vessels to God, here I am, send me. I've been touched by the fire. My disqualification has been removed. Now that's in an old covenant context. How much more do we in the new covenant with the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that has washed our sins away. And we have been born again to a living hope. Praise God. And every, you know, and, and every promise of God is ours. Like that message in tongues and interpretation this morning. Every promise of God is ours that the Lord has given us. Hallelujah. Will it require effort? Sure. Is it worth it? Sure. We're going to pray. I'm going to leave you with this little, it just happened right before service. I go on Facebook for If you ever wonder, why is Brother Andy on the computer for service? Because we have people in this church who won't call Brother Andy and tell him, but they will put it on Facebook. How many times I've got a prayer request off Facebook? I am ashamed to even, okay, I'll write it down. So-and-so went to, is at the hospital now. Okay, in the ER now. All right, we'll do all that. But I was on there, and I, you know, and I, I was on Facebook, and all the Father's Day stuff, you know, go keep rolling. Boy, that's some great photographs of folks in, in our church, fathers and you know, all that. But I come up on one, and it was uh, Chris Adcock, and he preached the morning service at Douglas First Assembly for Father's Day. Or his father, if you, you know, I don't know Chris, his father's the, the pastor, Brother Marshall Adcock. And I put my little comment on there. I said, you know, and to paraphrase, I said, man, I remember all those years at youth camp praying my guts out for Chris every year. Same deal. Youth camp. Chris Adcock. Come on, son. Assume the position. In the name of Jesus, do something with him. He'd come back next year. Oh, here we go. Come on, Chris. Chris may not already need to start crying. Then you get all, you know, and, and not just me, but Brother Marshall and me and several other folks, Tim and a bunch of others, praying for Chris Adcock, praying for Chris Adcock, praying for Chris Adcock. Year after year after year. Every, I mean, it, it was just as sure as we're going to youth camp, we're going to pray for Chris Adcock again. And I had Brother Marshall scheduled for a revival. And he came up and he just pulled up and was fixing to unload his clothes in the ministry center. And I, I saw him, he was on the cell phone, then he just slumped over the car. And I thought, rut row, something wrong. I said, Brother Marshall? He just looked at me and said, Brother Andy, I got to go. I said, man, you got to go. I'm thinking, you got to preach here all week. I got to go. That was Paige on the phone and and she's tore all to pieces. I said, what's happened? He said, they've arrested Chris. I, that was probably about as low as Brother Marshall had ever been. But between that night and this morning, 
I put it on my comments. Wait, I feel a shout coming on. Brother Marshall wrote back, I do too, my friend. Between that night when Brother Marshall had to turn his car around and make that six-hour drive back to Douglas because Chris had been arrested. And I told him, and here's, here's what there's between what it means to be family. People say, what organization you belong to? I said, we don't. Oh, y'all are independent. No, 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 we belong to a family. I'm part of a family, praise God. This ain't just, you know, a, a business type relationship. And Brother Marshall, he was tore up. Well, brother, I, I, I hate to disappoint you and the folks here. I said, Brother Marshall, that's okay. I said, I'll explain to the folks. The people will understand without getting into the details that you had to go back. Nobody's going to be hurt at you. Nobody's going to be mad at you. We love you. We're praying for you. It's going to be all right. But between that night and this morning, God got a hold of Chris Adcock. He had a cotton patch experience, beloved. Amen. And he, that which he had been running from, and everybody knew what it was. If you had, a, if you had a, a, an ounce of spiritual discernment, you knew what Chris Adcock's problem was. God's calling him to preach. He didn't want to do it. When he finally said, Yea, Lord, your will, not my will, be done, the blessings of God began to pour out on him. He married Christine Sullivan. you got to be living right to do that. Y'all remember when Christine was a little girl, her, you know, her mom and dad, Rick and, and Tana, her, her, her sister and stuff? Man, Christine is, is good. I got tickled at Christine one time at camp. She was there and her mom and her, and her sister was there, and she looked over and she made this, this statement that will be etched in eternity. She said, Mom and sis just ain't camp people. They wouldn't camp people. I think they wouldn't dorm people. I ain't a dorm person either. The Lord gave him Christine Adcock for a wife. Hello. You know? And then and has blessed his ministry. Is his youth pastor. I thought, is it Union Grove? Where's that? Am I right? Hey, I got a cookie. At Union Grove. He's preached. He's preached up here for our youth conference and everything. And I remember, I'll, I'll see old Chris preaching, serving God. And I remember that night when his daddy was brokenhearted because he had to go back home. He, was, he, 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 he felt bad because he felt he had let me down because he loved me. And I said, Brother Marshall, you haven't let me down. I love you. I love you. Don't worry. I'm going to support you. I'm behind you. I'm with you. You don't have to worry about me. But from one extreme to the other, what happened? We kept camp open. We kept going. We kept supporting. Year after year. There was that wonderful environment and experience that they had this past week at senior camp, going to have in uh, two weeks at junior camp. The effort was made. God blessed it and see what happened. The same principle applies to us. We've got to come to that place, and I know it's easy, and I know if you're like me, you're old and tired. I'll take a, a, a quick poll. How many folks are old and tired in this house? <laughs> Brother, Raymond. <laughs> Brother Raymond said, here's one. Me and Brother Raymond, amen. We old and tired. You don't get too old. You retire when God retires you. Amen. I can't do everything I used to do, but I can do something. That which I can do, I'm expected to do. Amen. Because the Lord is going to give the increase. And we got folks, everybody, got somebody in this house. That needs to be saved. 
Everybody got somebody in your family that needs to be restored. Amen. Everybody got somebody in your family that needs to be healed and delivered and helped. Now I'm going down, going down the list. And, you know, and as Brother Hudson asked the question in, in, in what he wrote in that brochure, where are they? As the Lord asked for Adam, Adam, where are you? Brother Hudson asked the question, where are these folks? And what is the responsibility of the church to do the work that the Lord has given us to do and its work? I, I, ain't, I ain't going to tell you, it ain't nothing but. It is, it is presenting yourself as a vessel to be used in the kingdom of God for his glory so that through us he may accomplish great works in the lives of people. I still have a hunger for revival. Chattooga County is ripe for harvest because there's people in this county that are messed up. I challenge you, go to Walmart, sit on that bench for 30 minutes and watch people go in and out. And I ain't, I, I ain't trying to be derogatory or, or, or condescending or anything else, but you can tell by looking they need Jesus. I mean, you can just tell by the attitude when a woman drags a kid in by the hair of the head and she's beating him halfway, you know, because she's frustrated and she's taking it out, you know, on the kid. And, and you see some guy walk in. Or my personal, can I get personal with y'all for a second? When the guy walks in and his pants are around his knees, I have to control my flesh. Francis fixing to bust out laughing. I want to go right over there to him, grab him puppies, and go, yup. I come in here to get a box of Tide. I didn't come in here to see your drawers, you know. Ha <laughs> ha. Hey. My <laughs> daddy sang bass and brother sang tenor because he didn't know anyway. <laughs> now, now Molly's tore up. Now, I said all that is feeble things that humor because of what we're going to do now. We're going to come together as, because, you know, like I said, all, all of us say we got folks that go church uh, it, it, in other places, and I want God to send you revival. You tell your pastor, Brother Andy said, I want to see the Lord send you revival. I want to see the, 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 the walls of your church bust out for no other reason than people being saved coming to Jesus. I ain't competition with nobody as a brother and sister in Christ. I am for you, man. Amen. But I also am keenly aware of the responsibility that we have here. For the Lord has done great things for us. And we must be vigilant to continue to do great things for him. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, but as the Lord enables. And as we get that touch off the altar and the fire of God is applied to us, we can then mimic the prophet Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. I'm ready. What was Isaiah's cotton patch experience? That was it. When the fire of God touched him, just as sure as Brother Palmer stomped all that cotton down the hill on his daddy's farm, Isaiah's experience was when the seraphim touched his lips with fire and the unqualified became qualified and he who was not confident was very confident. You can send me now. I'm ready. Stand your feet all over the house. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to go to the Lord.